Welcome to Do It For The Gram, an Enneagram podcast with your host, certified Enneagram coach, Milton Stewart, where we do it for the Enneagram, not Instagram, and we make moves to improve our lives and those in our communities. So this episode starts our series on subtypes. It's been a long time coming for sure, um, but I'm super excited to talk about subtypes. So before you listen to this episode, you're going to need to understand the instincts and the passion for your number. So if you haven't listened to the episodes before this one on instincts and passion, Go ahead and check those out before you check this one out, because in order to get a better understanding of what's happening in your subtype, you really need to know what's happening in your dominant instinct. And you need to understand what your passion of your number is. And they kind of range throughout your emotional patterns in life. So intro music, let's get it because we're about to get into it. super excited to announce my new partnership with BetterHelp. This episode is actually sponsored by BetterHelp. If you are struggling, BetterHelp can help. You'll receive 10% off your first month when you sign on using betterhelp.com forward slash do it. So I'm super excited uh, about this partnership that me and BetterHelp have um, entered into because in this point where everything that we're doing right now to connect with people is more virtual, it is so important mental health. I think that aligns perfectly with things that we're trying to do, things that I want to do, and um, anybody that I would refer or think that could be potentially beneficial to the audience. And I think BetterHelp is definitely one of them. BetterHelp is basically, it's online counseling or therapy. So you're able to actually get some counseling or therapy uh, depending on what's going on from licensed counselors and therapists around the country. And um, you get to be able to get some of that one-on-one mental checkup that you may need and BetterHelp's able to help you. So just go to betterhelp.com forward slash do it and you get a 10% discount for your first month. So what is a subtype? Subtypes, it is a type's passion and their instincts kind of multiply together. And they create this really interesting, very specific type of cocktail. So it's whatever your dominant instinct is combined with your passion. And so you also have a stack. So you have three instincts, which is social, sexual, and self-preservation. And they're all stacked in a certain way, meaning that they're ranked. So whatever the dominant one is, that means it's probably overactive. And whatever the repressed one is, that means it's probably underactive. And so the one in between is probably good. You probably utilize it in the right form, in the right way, in a healthier way. Then you can use your dominant and repressed one. So understanding the stack. Why is it important to understand the subtypes and your stack? So it's very important to understand it because there's a deeper understanding to you and your Enneagram number when you understand your subtype stack and what your subtypes are. And it gives you clarity around growth for you as well. And so it also helps you to see that your individual growth as a certain number may look a tinge bit different than another person's growth as that number. And also this helps us realize that all numbers don't look the same. 
all numbers, all people who are eights don't look the same. And the subtype is a big reason for it. Okay. That's a huge reason for it. Some types look like counter, they're what called what we call counter types. And what that means is that they internally are have the same underpinning issues and struggles and challenges of all of that number. But on the surface, they respond to it differently. They respond in a counter way than the other two subtypes do. So understanding the stack a little bit better, if your dominant instinct is on top and it's this one, there's a message in it. So for instance, if you're self-preservation and it's your dominant one, you have this feeling instinctually that I'm always in danger. There's always fear there. And as a self-pressed person who's dominant in that instinct, it took me a while to realize that. But in so many situations, I literally feel like I am in danger just about all the time, no matter where I go. I'm always trying to make sure that I'm safe in some type of way. Then the next one is social. If social is your dominant instinct, then you feel that I am no one without a group and status. So for socially dominant types, it's very important to remember that you are more than a social group or status, but that's the over active sense in the social instinct. It's overly active. That instinct, if it's dominant, it's overly active. And so you have to be aware of that. If your instinct is dominant in the sexual, it means that I am no one without a significant other. And so it's very important for you to understand who is sexually dominant, that in order to be somebody, it's not just, it's that you are valuable regardless of who you're with, or regardless if you have a significant other with you or not. So you have to be aware of that. Remember, the instinct is overactive if it's your dominant one. We got to be aware of that. So if it's your bottom instinct, aka your repressed one in your stack, for self-preservation, it means my life is not important. So if you have a repressed center that is self-preservation, you have to watch out because that means that you don't treat yourself with the proper self-care because somewhere in your instincts, a lot of times unconsciously, you don't believe your life is that important. For social, it is, I don't trust others, groups, causes, the collective, and humanity. So if that's your repressed one, you have to watch out for that because there's a natural inclination not to trust any type of group or big cause or collective or humanity. So you have to watch out because it's underactive. It's not in a healthy place. It's only looking at, all oh, these things are really bad, so I'm not going to join them and look at the negative sides of anything that could be collective or group effort. And then if your repressed center is sexual, then I am not interesting or attractive and intimate relationships may not be for me. So for those who have a sexual repressed center, in some type of way, they don't feel that intimate relationships are necessarily for them, possibly, and or they don't feel attractive and they just may not feel interested in it. So that is an issue. If your sexual instinct is repressed, that means that something is going on and it's not active as it should be making sure you engage in intimate one-on-one relationships in a healthy way. All right, let's get unique with the type four. Remember, type four is passion. It's envy. And some have also said longing before, but it's uh, envy as well. Uh, and envy for the four, remember, it's a mode of deep comparison and they can get lost within themselves. So it's this weird way of constantly comparing themselves to other people and seeing where they measure compared to another person. When it comes to the subtypes, for the four, it all has to do with, through this envy, there is a suffering that happens with the four. Um, a feeling of suffering and sometimes just an authentically feeling the suffering. So they all handle it differently. 
So majority of this content and information is going to come from Beatrice Chestnut and Uranio Pies by way of Claudia Naranjo. So when the passion of envy and longing and suffering mixed with the self-preservation instinct, you get the counter type. You get an interesting version of what people call the sunny four. In the sunny four, the way that they handle suffering is that they internalize it. And it's more of a long suffering. So this four looks different. On the outside, this four can look like a seven to many people and or uh, some other types who really work on like getting things done, but don't look like sad or depressed from the outside at all. And so this four actually gets mistyped a lot because of the general sense when people say, see a four, they're thinking of somebody who's like ultra emotional, just emoting all day type of thing. But the self-preservation four is kind of quite the opposite. They have a lot locked on the inside and they're suffering internally, but you're not seeing it. So it's a total different type of four than most people don't see. Um, so that's a acquired suffering that they have going on consistently throughout themselves until they start to do their work. So for the self-preservation four, some of the messages they receive with, when it comes to suffering and different things maybe growing up was, do you see how I'm not complaining about what's going on? Do you love me for that? Do you see how I don't complain about all this craziness? Can you love me because I don't complain or I don't bring up all these internal things that I am dealing with? Can you love me for that? So that's a lot of times the message that um, self-preservation forwards have gotten through the world, through growing up and different things. And so they may feel the exact same as other fours deeply emotionally inside, but they don't share it like other fours do. The social four and the sexual four definitely share what's going on inside of them, but this four does not. So they'll share their happy feelings, which makes them, like I said before, look more like a seven, but not necessarily their deep emotional, sad, anger, fear, all those. They don't really share those. And if they do, it's only with very few people. And this four also thinks that along with growing up, believing that I'm not complaining, they also feel like people only want to see their happy feelings. They have a sense that my deepest, darkest, uh, most painful things, people don't want to see or know those. And so they operate in a way that they don't have to do that. And so that makes this four um, stoic. They're, they're very stoic in the way that they kind of live life. Uh, the way that they go after things that they want, they're not just going to wait and just like, ah, that doesn't make sense. The envy in me, I'm, I'm comparing myself to them and I just can't have what they have or I'm better than them. What this board does, instead of just sitting there sometimes and waiting and just emoting, they go hardcore after what they're trying to get or what they want in life. And so they feel a lot of pain, but they don't talk about it. They have a lot trapped inside that they're not communicating with other people. And part of it is a prideful sense that they're strong enough to endure it. So part of them even feels a pride in the fact that they don't have to communicate uh, the pain, the sadness, the anger, the hurt on the inside, but they can endure it. So there's almost a pride in that fact that they're doing that. And so a lot of times this four, they cry alone. Um, instead of like suffering to, like I said before, just um, sit there and do nothing, they're going to cry. And after they cry and emote by themselves alone, they're going to get up and they're going to try their best to achieve whatever they feel that they're missing. They're going to go hardcore after. And so these fours are extremely hard workers, very, very hard workers. Uh, they can be misconstrued if they have a heavy three wing with the three. 
because of how hard they work to try to get things done and the stoic nature of them on the outside, they can be confused for that. But we know the difference is that the four has this deep well of emotions going on. Like I said before, this is the stoic four and they can look like a one or three or possibly a seven, depending on what's going on that day and how you encounter them. So that is the self-preservation four. So when the passion of envy entangles with the instinct of social, it turns into the more stereotypical four that we know for the most part. They can be outwardly melodramatic and um, they can emote outwardly about what's going on. The, the darker or the sadder emotions, they can communicate those outwardly. That is the social dominant force thing. It's kind of like I'm getting these things out to the world. And so they're suffering the way that they suffer, it's not internal, but it is an external way of letting people know I'm suffering so much. It is all about them suffering and how they are letting people know just about how much they're suffering. So they suffer and they also let people know and they feel their feelings so deeply inside. This is one thing we have to remember. They really are so deeply woven with their emotions. So when people don't understand fours, Majority of the time, that's because you are not that interwoven with your own emotions. So it makes it really hard for someone who's not a four or someone who hasn't done work to get closer to their emotional well-being to understand just how strong and how intense emotions can be. So with the social four feeling them so deeply inside, it can send them all different kinds of ways on different days and different times of day. And they have to constantly work on managing it. And so this can be tough when people really don't understand fours because they don't understand their own emotions and the gravity of them. And this four also over-identifies with suffering, whereas the self-praise four identifies with being able to suffer internally and bear the brunt and be able to take it and keep moving forward. This four over-identifies with suffering. It's like, Things are just so bad. And I just, every time I do this, something bad happens. It's just like constantly things are just going wrong. And I can tell you a list of them. Um, and this four can also be quite self-deprecating. So they really have to be careful as well because they can fall in the trap of, I'm always suffering. This is just my story. This is my life. I'm just a sufferer. And they get stuck in that mode. And it doesn't really help them um, to grow and to be better. And so... This four also feels the most connected with um, pain and sadness. And so they have to balance that as well. They are, they feel the most um, connected and close to their pain and their sadness. It's not something they run away from. It's not necessarily they're scared of it, but they actually understand and feel it quite intimately. And so they're very sensitive. And at times they can be overly sensitive and they tend to have a passion for an inferiority complex. And so that's basically when they do, when envy happens to them, they end up on the underside of it. So they don't end up like, oh, psh, I'm better than them. They end up on the, oh man, their life's just so much better. You know, if I had that, my life would be great. If I had what they had. So social media can be really tricky for a social four because the comparison is going on in the background sometimes. And in social media, you know, people really, for the most part, only put up what's going good and great in their lives. And so it looks like a highlight reel of somebody's life. And so of course it's going to look good. It's not really the dirt and all the horrible things they, 
they deal with and um, go through. So a social poor can be can struggle real hard with social media, especially if they're super in tune with it, because they're constantly seeing all these things to compare themselves to, and they're constantly putting themselves on the bottom of it with the inferiority complex. And so they they tend to think a lot of times with the whole like something's missing that they're not good enough, and they believe that they suffer more than others. And it's for them, it's interesting for the social form because that's a way that they try to receive love. They try to receive love by being there and suffering. So they try to bring people in to let them know, I'm suffering so much, you know, this is how you love me. So that's one of the messages they got when they were young. If I didn't feel good, if I was sick, if I was down, if my emotions are, if I'm emoting and I just don't feel well, somebody will come and console me. Someone will come and show me love. And I work with kids, <laughs> various kids, and I, and I definitely know when I'm working with a social four, when they start to use their pain over and over again to try to get you to come closer to them and to love them and to give them privileges. And so I've seen this uh, on the kid level and the adult level too. Um, and a guy I went to college with, wow, that was, was crazy. Just to kind of get people to approve of that person. So you have to be aware of that if you're a social dominant four because they have a tendency to draw people in with their suffering. It's a way that they like to try to receive love. And so they throw pity parties. They can throw like the biggest pity parties ever and just really, really emote um, and letting people know like, oh, this is just so bad. Let me tell you, this happened. And you know what? That happened too. And when that happened, this happened because of my childhood, this happened. So you, you really have to be aware of when the pity party is being thrown as a social four. And social fours, even though they do feel their pain and sadness more intimately than most types naturally, at the same time, social fours believe sometimes or make people believe that they are suffering more than others or they're suffering at different times when they're actually not, when something's actually not wrong. So when the social dominant part is triggered in them, along with envy, you have this issue of them constantly finding a way to believe inside that something is wrong, when nothing could be wrong and they could not be suffering at a certain moment. But somehow when they're triggered and envy and the social instinct get together and have a little pity party, then they really feel like something is wrong when in actuality, there could be nothing wrong with them at all. And so this four can be known as the sad four. So when the passion of suffering and envy entangles with the sexual instinct, you get a person who makes other people suffer, okay? So this person is externalizing suffering. So you have to think, the first one, self-preservation dominant one, has internalized suffering to the point where they don't show it. The social one has suffer is is suffering and is communicating with other people constantly letting them know how much they suffer and then you have the sexual four who is externalizing suffering onto other people and so this four instead of having that pain on the inside they inject it outside and onto other people and so you are doing this to me you are doing something to me you are wrong because of this they are the most competitive four out of all the fours, highly competitive. They compare themselves to others, but unlike the social four, the sexual four has a superiority complex. So when that come outside of that that um, that comparison, they are on top of it. They're like, mm, I'm better than them because of that. I cannot believe they would do that. That is something, you know. So that, that that's what happened with them. Does your workplace stink because the culture sucks? 
Are you tired of tolerating people and wish you could all work together cohesively? Does going to work give you instant anxiety? If you say yes to any one of these, you should probably quit your job. But since you aren't going to quit your job, you should call Kaizen Careers. At Kaizen Careers, we are all about improving personal and workplace performance. We use a unique tool called the Enneagram. The Enneagram helps individuals and organizations become more self-aware. That self-awareness lends into helping organizations with communication, leadership, and conflict management, ultimately turning self-awareness into self-mastery and creating healthy workplace performance so you can improve your services and bottom line. You can reach Kaizen Careers at kaizencareers.com or 901-334-1644. All types that are sexually dominant have immense uh, passion in the way that they communicate, this immense energy and passion for connectivity and intimacy. And a lot of times that is fused with anger. So this four gets really angry when people don't understand how distinct, how unique, and how different that they are. And this four also is the angriest number on the Enneagram. A lot of people, you know, because eights get bad reps a lot of times, but eights can do some damage, there's no doubt. So when people think they're angry, they automatically think, I must be an eight. I have anger. When actuality, every number has anger, but the angriest number, which people get confused, is the sexual four on the Enneagram, point blank, period. They externalize anger with an emotional gravitation to it, which is very strong. And they, and the anger is not just that something is wrong. It's usually projected onto other people into some, like something's wrong because you did it, because these people did it. And so they're projecting it. Okay. Um, and so they're still, they're angry when people can't meet their needs. Um, and they're good at expressing their needs. That is one gift that like, they are good at complaining and uh, expressing their needs. But the thing is, when you hear complaining, there's a positive and a negative. Sometimes people won't speak up for something where a, a four, a sexual four will let you know exactly what's wrong, exactly what needs to be right. And so that's actually a benefit of the sexual four. And so um, they also feel like with their suffering is that if I am loud, if I'm brass enough, then someone will come and take notice and take care and love me. That is their way of doing suffering. It's like if I get it out there, if I'm angry, if I let people know, then they'll come to me and they'll love me because they'll know just how much, how powerful, how passionate I feel about this. This four also doesn't feel like anything is wrong with anger where other types can, you know, have like, oh, something's wrong with anger. I don't know if I should express it that way or whatever. This four is like, no, I'm good. And anger's about to come out. And that's how it is. And so they don't mind conflict. And like I said before, this is where people get confused then with the eight because this four does not mind conflict. It does nothing to them. They prefer conflict, actually, to get things going, to get things revved up. And so... A lot of times that anger is for things in the world, but also because they don't feel at the same time that people can understand them. And so the anger, a lot of times for this type of four is actually covering up because remember, it's suffering. This anger, this externalized anger towards other people, a lot of times is covering up their really deep feelings of pain and deep shame. So it's really interesting for this, for the sexual four, and they have to really be careful and really do their inner work because it turns into a vicious cycle. Whereas everyone has their own like cycle or pattern, the pattern in the cycle for the sexual four can be very vicious because the externalization of anger towards other people and then blaming them 
but actually wanting them to be close, a lot of times leads to rejection. And so then they feel even less understood, which makes it really, really hard because now you're in this vicious cycle of I'm upset, so I'm expressing it. And then I don't feel understood because they rejected me. So they must be crazy. And it must be all this one type. It must be all men. It must be all women. It must be all this. They just have all these problems. And so they can be angry and create this cycle for themselves where it's really hard for them to actually get the one thing that they want. And that is to be really intimate with someone, really. Because remember, it's sexually dominant. They want that one-on-one intimacy. And so it can be really tough for them to really do that. So that is some sexual force really have to work on. When you're externalizing your anger and you're upset with somebody that you actually want to attract, you're going to have to check yourself and balance that because it does create for this for a vicious cycle. And it can be very hard for this for to attract a mate because of that cycle. All right. So growth time for the Enneagram four, the move from envy is to equanimity. So with equanimity, it's a balance. We, we want to have this balance where fours are dealing with suffering. We want fours, we want to have that beautiful balance of understanding all the good and the bad and balancing it all out. So here are some ways to counteract the self-pressed dominant four. First of all, share your feelings and pain more to others. Remember, this four, the self-praise is holding it all in, keeping it in, bearing the brunt, and has a pride almost in being able to do that. That's not healthy for you. These fours can run themselves on the ground really terribly. Because think about it, you've already got a lot going on emotionally. You just don't show it. But when you work and doing, go out and do so much, and then you're running your body into the ground, this is a bad combination. So you want to make sure you actually share your feelings and pain more to others, which can be if you don't understand, like people say with the fours, maybe less, but not this four. The self-pressed four actually needs to get it off their chest and let people know. Find those intimate people who love you, who care about you, and allow yourselves to be able to share yourself and your pain to other people. And then you want to live out of a deeper happiness and the lighter side of yourself. Because as far as a lot of things going on deeply emotionally, which actually powers them behaviorally, what you want to really do is not allow that the weight of those emotions to ground you so deeply to where you're not light, you're not fun, you're not that deep happiness, that well of happiness that does exist on the inside, but only coming from the pain and the suffering that powers you. Don't allow that to be the only thing that powers you. Allow the happiness and the light things in the world to power you as well to keep going and to keep doing wonderful things. Don't just be named the sunny four because you have like a masquerade and the type of mask on, but allow the sunniness of you to actually be true sunniness and not just to be named a sunny for quote unquote, meaning that I'm happy on the outside, but inside I'm so deeply in some suffering. No, actually come from a well of sunny and happiness that is purely from the greatness that you bring to this world. And then watch how you treat yourself. Be more gentle with yourself. These fours are very hard on themselves and people have no clue. I have a friend who's um, a four and she was at the time that she had became Valley Victorian. She was self-pressed dominant outside. She was like the life of the party. She was cool. She was dominant. She had great grades. But after she left her, the graduation, she spoke and everything. She went and cried. Because she has so much going on and wasn't expressing. So make sure that you watch how you treat yourself. Treat yourself with love. Talk more gently to yourself. 
when you're working with yourself. You don't have to be so crucial and so hard on yourself. Hi, I'm super excited to tell you about a partnership I just joined in on. As an Enneagram coach, I understand the Enneagram helps in all different aspects of a person's life. A part of that journey can only be helped sometimes by someone outside of themselves, someone in the profession of counseling or therapy. So that's why I partnered with BetterHelp.com. BetterHelp is basically a virtual way to contact and be in connection with counselors and therapists around the country. And at this time that we're going through socially being distant and a lot of being trapped in our houses or different things, even though it can be wonderful, a lot of times we may need to express something that's going on or things may be arising inside that we don't understand how to deal with. And so BetterHelp is a wonderful, affordable way to receive therapy and counseling in your home virtually. So if you are struggling, BetterHelp can help. You'll receive 10% off your first month when you sign on using betterhelp.com forward slash do it. That's D-O-I-T. So this information will be in the show notes, but this is a way if you do need some help, mental help and working through things some emotional things, BetterHelp can definitely help. Ways to counteract the social dominant form. Own your positive traits. Yes, we all have negative traits, but you have wonderful positive traits. And most of the time, yes, fours are creative because they're so in touch with the wonderful emotions that they have is that they have the ability to be creative. And so that's one of the many positive traits that you have. But start owning your positive traits. If you need to list them out, put them up on a wall and look at them daily to help you do it. Then move into action over a pity party. Now, if you want to throw a small pity party so you can kind of emote and get it out, that's okay. Your emotions are fine. Respect them and love them, but don't let them rule your life. And so next, you want to move into action. You want to be more action-oriented than pity party. So your action needs to be greater than your pity party, okay? And then be more direct in communicating what you want slash need or feel. Don't use suffering to seduce people in. Actually tell people directly, hey, I care about you. I like you. I want to be close to you. I want to be friends. Um, or just any situation where you are communicating, do it in a way that's more direct and where people don't have to kind of guess or feel like they're trying to get closer to you based on your emotion. Don't do that. Just be more direct. And that will actually help you in all of your relationships in your life. Ways to counteract the sexual dominant for stay present to your own pain and suffering. Sexual fours are externalizing that pain and that suffering onto other people and they're letting them know and they're getting it out. But what you have to do if you're a sexual dominant four is stay present to your own suffering. You got to be there. You got to work on it. You got to deal with it. Okay. And then you got to go beneath the anger that you're getting out towards other people and actually address those wounds that you have. Sexual fours are marching on and they're they're letting people know that that's wrong and that's wrong and they shouldn't be doing that. And it's that person's fault. And sometimes a lot they can be right, you know, but a lot of times in that action of externalizing the anger, it is a way for them to not deal with their own wounds and their own pain. And so that's what you're going to have to actually deal with. Get beneath the anger that you already have that bubbles to the surface that is right there and ready to use at just about all times. You got to get below it and you actually have to address those wounds that you have inside and then work on taking responsibility and dealing with your own suffering without blaming others. 
and having to use outward anger towards others. So there is an activity called, I think it's called conscious complaining, but basically, that may not be the name, but it is basically what the activity is, is you choose a period of time to complain. Say you put it on for, you say, I'm going to complain for about seven to 10 minutes or something. You go in for that seven to 10 minutes, just let it out, just let it roll, roll, roll. All this stuff is wrong. Right, right, right. And then after that seven to 10, you move on and you start to make actions or you start to use the deeper side of your intellectualism to actually move you forward and past whatever issue that is you're frustrated or moving to and knock things out. Instead of just constantly spewing anger on different people at different times and different mediums that you have, you want to be able to deal with it yourself if you need to do and express that anger um, like w- by yourself with something or with a person, even if it's not about them, you just need to express it. Conscious complaining or putting a time limit on when you express anger can really help you moderate the, the, the intensity that you have coming up out of you so that you can actually make better choices going forward and don't get caught in that vicious cycle that the sexual four can get caught in. So that is all I have for this episode for the Enneagram Type 4. Something I'm very excited to tell you about, which I say excited a lot, and I realize that, I guess, because I'm a seven. One thing I am uh, enthused about, one thing (laughs) I would love to share is that I have a career course that is coming out pretty soon, and it's to help people find clarity in their career. A lot of times things look really fuzzy and you don't know what you want to do next, And it's really hard to figure out how to do that. So I've come up with a career course that actually aligns your strengths, your skills, your Enneagram type passion, core values, uh, and your current needs in order to help people find clarity. So that course will be on my website pretty soon, which is kaizencareers.com, K-A-I-Z-E-N-C-A-R-E-E-R-S.com. That is coming soon um, within, I would say, seven to 10 days. I'm going to plan on launching it. And there will be a discount um, for the first people who sign up for it, uh, no doubt, as I grow it. And super excited to tell you about that. Besides that, if you need an Enneagram typing interview, because I know fours can sometimes be mistyped because of so much information that not that is not holistic for the four in the community of the Enneagram, at least on major things sometimes, I do Enneagram typing interviews and I absolutely love them. I actually really enjoy um, Enneagram typing interviews with fours, to be honest, uh, because they're so, it's, it's like this beautiful complexity and I love the way that fours communicate. Like, as a seven, we have a similar communication style, and I love it. I really enjoy those. And then also, podcasting is free for listeners, but not free for podcast creators. So if you would like to support this podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash do it for the gram, and you can donate from $1 up to whatever you can to support the show. It goes a long way, I promise. It helps so much. I have a podcast editor now because we met that goal. And my next goal is making it so I can get a virtual assistant so I can really start to focus on the deep content work and working with and engaging with the audience way more um, instead of all the 10 billion administrative things I have to do, which wear me down. But um, you can go to patreon.com for forward slash do it for the gram and support if you can. Also, don't forget to subscribe. That is huge for me. Simply subscribing does a lot um, for the podcast and podcast creators. Also, I'm developing a YouTube channel. 
please go to that and subscribe as well because I'm growing that channel. Eventually, I'm going to have some interviews on there that are going to be on the podcast and there. So it'll be kind of a show. That's what I'm working on. It's in the bag. I'm working on it. And um, please subscribe to that. Subscribe to this. Don't forget to share the podcast. And fours, when you feel that envy or that longing and your instinct is starting to get triggered, take a deep breath. If you need to leave the room, leave it. But what I want you to do is to do it for the grand and make a smart move. Do it for the Enneagram. And we'll see you soon on the next episode. Bye.